0: You're listening to the Write Project Podcast and radio program, a show about writing and modern Newfoundland author culture. This program is produced and recorded at CHMR-FM 93.5 FM in St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador, and is aired on other great stations in the province and elsewhere in the country. It can also be heard online at www.chmr.ca. I'm your host, Matthew Ledru. We're on the line with Sarah Thompson, who in February released her first book through Engine Books called The Love of Summer. It is a lesbian romance novel. It reached the number one bestseller on Amazon in that category, and now she's here to talk about it. She's also a playwright and runs a dinner theater out of Corner Brook and has just been blowing up all over lately. How are you, Sarah?
1: I'm doing great. Busy.
0: Yes, you are busy. So what are you working on?
1: Uh, Well, actually, right now I'm working on the follow-up to The Love of Summer, so that uh, maybe we'll get to know a little bit more about those characters as we move
0: forward. Cool. It's called The Hate of Fall, I believe?
1: There you go. Yeah, that's a perfect title.
0: Yeah, perfect title. Perfect title. Uh, Okay, tell me about your dinner theater productions. What's going on there? What are the the shows about? And how did all that come to be? Uh,
1: Well, it actually sort of happened by accident, like almost everything that I do in life. Uh, I went to a Pitch Your Idea Uh, night at a local bar here with uh, Navigate and a few government agencies that were looking for people to pitch small businesses, Uh, and I grew up in dinner theatre because it's what my father does, so I thought, well, I'd like to write a show, so maybe I'll write a show and start a dinner theatre, and the next thing I knew, that's what I was doing. So uh, we're called the Newfound Family Drama Company. We've had three different productions so far, uh, starting with a comedy of errors last summer was called Leroy's Dagger. We're doing the follow-up to that right now, it's called Going to the Chapel. Uh, and we did a Christmas show as well, which was a little heavier, more dramatic, and, and less fun and games.
0: Uh, what was the Christmas show called?
1: It was called I'll Be Home for Christmas. Okay, okay. That, <laughs> sounds,
0: that sounds kind of whimsical and nice. That That was the title of, like, a Jonathan Taylor Thomas movie, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, but spoiler alert in this one, somebody doesn't make it home for Christmas.
0: Oh, okay. So the title's a lie. The
1: title is a total lie.
0: Okay, okay. So we've established you're a liar. I understand. <laughs>
1: Well, that's what writers are, isn't
0: it? That, that is true, actually. I was having some fun teaching uh, a bunch of children recently in northern Alberta, uh, teaching writing, and I need to explain to, like, first graders what a novelist was in a way they'd understand, so I told them that you should never lie, but that I was a professional liar.
1: Which makes perfect sense.
0: And I held up my book and I said, "These are lies I wrote. These things didn't happen. And I'm so good at lying that people pay to read my lies."
1: (laughs) That is the perfect way to explain it.
0: Yeah, and and you should see their eyes light up where they're like, "Pardon me, tell me more." (laughs) Like, I've just been doing this amateur for a few years. (laughs)
1: i to do amateur for a lot of years to, to get anywhere with
0: it. Yeah, yeah. No, they're seven. They've just been amateur-lying for seven years. They're just oh, like, oh, wait. Oh, really young. Yeah. Okay, so that's really cool about the dinner theater, though. That's a storytelling venue that I am unfamiliar with largely. So when it comes to the, like, the dinner theater stuff, is it just a play that you eat at? Or is it like, inter- I've never been to a dinner theater, despite having known you for many years.
1: So we actually do the first course when you arrive, and then we do an act of the show, and then you get your main course, and then we do another act of the show, and then you get your dessert, and we do the final act of the show. So it's a full evening experience.
0: Okay. And is it the actors giving you your food?
1: Yes, in character.
0: In character.
1: Yes. Yeah. So if if Martha is your hostess for the evening, Martha is the character in the show, and uh, Martha will serve you your meal and talk to you as though she's Martha.
0: Can you just picture that if every entertainment venue did that, like imagine you're watching The Big Lebowski, and then The Big Lebowski serves you your meal, and you complain that there's no gravy, and he's just like, well, that's like your opinion, man.
1: <laughs> well, you try to write characters that uh, to serve people that uh, are, are going to be nice about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You could do Sweeney Todd, and then no one will complain about the service from that waiter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or you don't let him wait.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Perhaps. Perhaps that is the uh, the optimal strategy there. So tell me about The, the Love of Summer, uh, because you've been working on this for a little while. Tell me a little bit about what the book is about. Uh, not that really the readers need to, or the listeners need to be told, because... You're at uh, 40,000 page reads right now. Like, several hundred people have read this book since it came out, you know, 40 days ago.
1: (laughs) That's unbelievable. It's uh, it's kind of freaky, actually. Yeah. Uh, So, well, actually, it all started as a short story. That I wrote about ten years ago. Um, that was at that time it was set in the past and it was very tropey. And I thought there is a lot more substance to these characters. And one of these days, I'm going to have time to sit down and write a book. And then, lo and behold, I no longer had a job. So my wife looked at me and said, "Well, you've been toying with the idea of writing a book. So you got a year off. Here's your chance. Write a book." So it did, and and I took that short story and, and the characters from it anyway, and uh, turned it into a full-length novel that really follows the character of Carrie, who is just figuring out who she is and and uh, learning who, what she wants out of life. And then she gets a new next door neighbor uh, when Summer moves in, or family moves to town, and uh, that's the their initial call, their meet cute, um, and because. Uh, Summer is very unsure of who she is, she doesn't really want a relationship with Carrie at that stage, it's too it's too much fear for her at that time in her life, um, but they have the opportunity to meet again a little later down the road, because of the invention of Facebook, they find each other again, and uh, are able to reconnect, and there's a little bit of a crime story through the second half of the book and those kinds of things.
0: Yeah, the crime story part is really interesting. Actually, I, when I was reading it, it was it was not obtrusive, and it's not the plot of the novel. Like this is not a crime novel with some romance. It's a romance novel with some crime, uh, and it's really interesting as a subtext because it almost makes it, it makes things feel a bit real. Like like one of my big criticisms of romance is that like people's entire lives are swept up in this this romance, and often I'm like, what do these people do for a living? Like, you know?
1: Yeah, well, in this case, uh, uh, I guess my main character is a journalist, which is what I did for a, you know, a large number of years, so, you know, take a cue from everybody else's side of it and you write what you know, so if you're going to give someone an, an occupation, it's real easy to give them an occupation you've done for a long time.
0: Yes, yes, that's fair. Yep.
1: Okay. So so because of that, being a crime reporter then leads to having a, a little bit of a crime story in there, and to be fair, I'm, I'm hoping I, one of these days there'll be three of these books that will follow three different couples in the same time period in the same place, and the crime story will be a little further developed in each of them, so that if you sit down and read all, read all three, you'd get a full picture of what was happening.
0: Oh, that'd be Cool. Yeah, that, well that's the goal. That's, so we'll that's really an that's that's a really interesting uh idea. So as I said, uh this book is just blowing up everywhere. Uh it's it's very quickly going to be one of our, our the biggest sellers over at engine books at least online and it hasn't had a lot of print venues yet but when it does it uh, it's been selling pretty well what's that experience been like i've been kind of with you through a bit of that because i'm the one just updating you on like oh it's been this many per day and that many per day but what's how, how's that experience been
1: uh, when it's you throwing numbers at me about online pages and that kind of stuff it's a little surreal like it's it's like oh yeah I'm sure that's happening out there in the world somewhere that's that's a real thing sure it is uh, when it's people however standing in front of me lining up to buy a physical copy it's uh, very overwhelming it's um, I, I'm guess I, I like to think I'm fairly quiet and shy as a as a person and uh, when I have people standing there and wanting to ask me questions and wanting to talk about it and those kinds of things it's just it's just insane really it's something i never thought i would experience in my lifetime
0: yeah no and it's super interesting it's uh especially for you because you were very shy about like i've you were saying like oh 10 years ago you had the idea to write this th- this story and it was a short story which i mean we you were there at the beginning of engine books you helped me design one of the first cover the first cover that we did and we were kind of just friends sitting around, and and you were helping me, because I had no staff at the time. No one to bounce things off of. But um, that was... 13 years ago now. So so that means that like you were writing this without letting your author friend know and I remember like earlier like last year you were you were very uncharacteristically shy about like hey would you come please read my book.
1: Yeah, it's a very personal thing to be honest. So it when, when you write a romance novel, you tend to put a lot of yourself into it. And and I don't just mean like a lot of times people write a character and has a lot of their uh, own personality traits and those kinds of things. But for anyone who knows me, as you read this, you can see little bits of my personality bleeding into the character and little parts of my life bleeding into the story and, and how it all comes together. So it's, it becomes really... Um, you get very attached to it, first of all, but once you're able to separate yourself from it a little bit, you can take a step back and say, okay, so I, I, I kind of want to get somebody to read it to see if this is, you know, worth talking about. But also, it's like letting someone in on a little piece of your soul, in a way.
0: Sure, yeah.
1: Yeah, so it's it's just for that reason, I guess It's it's hard to want to approach someone and say hey would you read this i might have just you know word vomited my life onto a page but uh, please take like three days and see if it's horrible or not that's
0: interesting yeah no i read it fairly quickly it was it was really good uh once i sat down and and, and read it, it was it was amazing and uh, i know a couple other authors over here read it too and you know just to make sure i wasn't biased or anything like that it's a really good book you've got a lunch coming up
1: Yeah, coming up the end of April, actually. So we are uh, going to a local bar here in town, do a little reading, do some signings, talk to a few people about writing, and uh, then because I'm also hilarious, we're going to sing some karaoke.
0: Oh, dear lord. Of course you are. Oh, (laughs) my. All right, well, and you said we, so you're doing that with uh, Josh Connors, who also wrote a book recently called Small Town Queer, is that correct?
1: Yeah, so his is a, actually a two-act play, yes. um, but it's, it's, sort of, it's sort of a series of short stories because it's all done in, as a series of monologues, um, so each person's monologue is an individual story within the show.
0: That's very cool. Uh, that must be hell on the actors, though. If it's if it's all monologues, because like from, from what I remember of acting, which I did for a very short period of time, like you remember sometimes if you are struggling, like in the in the moment, you remember a line, and then the other actors kind of saying their next line jogs your memory, and you go, okay, that's my next line, and then that's my you know what I mean. You are given clues by the pattern of what your co stars do. Like if it's all monologues, then they just have to remember that whole thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so there was there's uh, seven parts in the show, and uh, they they each had at least two. Some of them had three long, five to seven minute monologues to memorize. Holy and, crap! Yeah, they put a lot of work into it, and it, it actually it was staged here back in October, and just had a remount recently. Um, as well at the Rotary Arts Center here, and uh, I mean, just the amount of time and energy that these folks put into the memorization and then making it into something that they felt like they connected with, so that the audience also connected. Uh, I mean, it's just incredible.
0: Yeah, no, that sounds great. And one of the uh, the actors in it is your is your lovely wife, is, is it not?
1: Yes, absolutely. She. uh... She, so there's a, a role for everyone in the alphabet, I like to say. So there's uh, all, LGBTQ, all represented, as well as allies. Uh, so she played the role of lesbian, obviously. Um, That's and, not obvious. Right? Well, I, it, you had to be it to play it. So it um, was very important in the representation to, uh, to have the person who was playing the role actually identify as that role. That's
0: fair then, uh, yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, so she played that role. I believe she had three monologues to read and one of them was actually so the stories were provided to him by um, people in the community and he then took what they gave him as a story and turned it into the monologues so she actually had to to learn one that i gave josh the information for which uh, was interesting to watch because she would sit here and try to memorize these monologues and just for whatever reason, was completely mentally blocked on my story. And uh, by the time she got it on stage, she said, this is going to be perfect, or I'm never doing it again.
0: Yeah, and I, I assume since she's done it multiple times, it was the former.
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah so she, she she always pulls it off. She's doing another show tonight, so it's uh, a different show tonight. So it's uh, she's also very busy.
0: Yeah, you guys are just involved in everything. It's, it's a bit incredible.
1: Uh, I I told someone recently that if it's theater in Cornerbrook, I probably got my fingers in it somewhere. I didn't mean to, I don't know how it happened, but this is where I am now. To that end, too, I'm also working on a full two-act play that I'm hoping to workshop
0: next year, so... Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, it's... So you were published with something with Engine before, a science fiction future short story in Light Dark? Yes, that wasn't yesterday either. No, that was not yesterday. So that was a bit of an interesting experience because I like that story. Obviously, I published that story, but some of like what I was having trouble with at the time, and I wasn't, and am not a great editor, and we didn't have an editor like Aaron or anyone else at the time, was that I found it was a um, it was a straight relationship between like a, a cis male and cis female in it. And I found the relationship really hard to, like, it wasn't believable to me. And I'm sitting here now after reading your romance because prior to reading it, I was like, oh, Sarah writing romance because that's what was tripping me up in the other one. And you did an amazing job. Like, it's really good and really believable. And now I'm kind of second-guessing myself going... Oh, is this what it's like for other people? When, when, like, when, if I wrote like uh, a couple that was a demographic not mine, and I got everything wrong, is that what it's fr? Is this? Am, am I feeling that frustration? Like,
1: yeah, is- probably. It's very difficult to write something that you don't live.
0: Yeah, that's just not in you at all. You know, you don't.
1: Yeah, you don't understand it on the same level, so it's it can be very difficult to to make it appear more real on a page if it's not your day-to-day life
0: no that said i love the story (laughs) just the romance was the weaker part of that story and but with this it's amazing
1: in some ways too so with with that story too um when i wrote it originally it was about twice as long as what you actually wound up with
0: yes (laughs) yes so
1: big portions being cut out didn't really help that either i wouldn't
0: say i I wouldn't say usually usually like when it's a movie studio if it's like well we've cut it from three hours to two but it didn't affect the story i'm sure (laughs) that's usually a great sign
1: yeah something's getting lost there in in translation and in this case it was most the love story
0: oh that'll do it that'll that'll
1: it was less important right so when i yeah when i cut it down i thought This is the least important part of this story, but it has to be there as a presence in some way, but we don't really need another 10,000 words talking about it, so.
0: So there it goes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, pretty much.
0: All right, so when is your book launch going to be? When and where?
1: It is April 24th at Swirsky's on Broadway in Cornerbrook.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Where most of my listeners are not, but fear not, it will be replayed online, and we shall share it out before then. Uh, Sarah Thompson, what was your favorite childhood book?
1: The Outsiders.
0: I would just met a bunch of kids that were reading that. I've never read that, and everyone's like, how have you not read that? It's the stereotypical kid novel.
1: Do you know why it is, though? Why? It was written
0: by a kid. No, I knew that, yeah. And my yeah. favorite thing, and I wrote a child about... I wrote a book about teenagers when I was one. And my favorite thing, I looked up that writer. Favorite thing people did that annoyed her that is also the thing that annoys me. People telling you you don't write kids realistically when you are one. Like, I'm very sorry, adult, who's writing a kid's book. You don't know what kids are like. Well, you don't remember,
1: really. Not the same as someone who's living it. Yeah. And I read that book until it fell apart. And then some, I'm sure. But, um... And then, of course, the movie came out, which was doubly exciting.
0: There was a movie.
1: Yeah, uh, it's uh, Emilio Estevez and Tom Cruise, and so it's
0: all your favorite people.
1: Edward Swayze. All and, your
0: favorite people.
1: Well, I don't. I don't know if any of them are really my favorite people. Rob Lowe. All the big stars of that time period were in it.
0: Interesting. So this wasn't recent. No, God, no. But no, I would it love cool. it if it was. Like, imagine if they got together, those same actors, and made uh, The Outsiders again, but they're all 40, 50. It'd be fun. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Ralph but they're but Ralph, still playing teenagers.
1: Ralph Macchio, whatever his name is, he was in it too, I think. Oh, wow. Well. Anyway, it's a great movie if you feel like watching it sometimes. <laughs> Uh, I ordered VHS
0: Well if if a VHS player exists anywhere We'll have to do that
1: There's two in my house
0: Of course there are (laughs) Uh, Sarah Thompson What is your favorite underappreciated novel?
1: Oh that's a great question I have an entire bookshelf of them (laughs) Some of them are yours Oh wow For real though I actually really did like Cinder's It was a great book
0: Thank you I love Cinder's
1: but if we're going to go a little more mainstream, why read this mainstream? Nothing.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. You don't have to go mainstream.
1: <laughs> I read your books and I read lesbian authors. Yeah. So, I guess it's always back to Sarah Waters. I think she's phenomenal. There's book called Kipping the Velvet that is the epitome of a coming out story.
0: That sounds naughty. I like it.
1: Well, it means something naughty.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that sells it well. I like it.
1: Yeah. It's a great book. Anyway. So, yeah. He's. It's probably my go to for something a little bit different that is exceptionally well written and not overwritten because the worst thing i find about more i guess some more mainstream writers is that they overwrite they think they need more words
0: yes i'm experiencing that i'm reading a, a newfoundland book right now that i won't name and the author has stopped mid paragraph on this like scenic vista To describe the process by which an iceberg works.
1: Okay. Yeah, no thanks.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, literally, the geological and ecological process of an iceberg and how, like, they work and stuff like that and their effects. And I'm like, this is a romance novel, supposedly. Please stop.
1: Oh, you really don't need to know about icebergs. That's just chilling stuff down.
0: (laughs) Oh, and I read the whole thing. I was like, maybe it was a metaphor for something. Nope. Wasn't. Just just padding that word count.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's my most hated things about authors that like I don't mind I read I read The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich when I was like fifteen years old. I don't care how big the book is, it doesn't intimidate me, but it annoys me when it could have been half
0: that size. Yes. Yes. Just needless details. Right? Yeah. Like,
1: why did we have to spend four pages describing the driveway?
0: Fantasy books are also bad for that. Uh, like, for, like, overly describing the entire history. Like, I love Tolkien in doses, but, like, there's a reason when that all his major descriptions were in the Simarmillion and not in the main book. Because even he knew all this stuff's not necessary to the story.
1: Or someone told him eventually, yeah. Yeah. So maybe you should put that in a different book. That after people read these ones and decide they like them, maybe then they'll want to know about that stuff. But fantasy is bad for it because there is so much world building involved in it that they kind of have to in a lot of ways, or you are going to be even more confused.
0: World building's one thing, I guess, but like I never understand like the stuff that doesn't pay off. Like, and my analogy is always your book, The Love of Summer, did not start with a history of World War II.
1: No, that would have made very little sense.
0: Because, but in a fantasy novel, it makes perfect sense to have this long history of all the wars for the last 2,000 years.
1: Not all at once.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, yeah.
1: I agree it might need to be in there at some point, but please not all at once.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Give it to me in doses. Yeah.
0: yeah. Sarah Thompson, what is the first book that ever made you cry?
1: Oh, God, it's really hard to make me cry. I mean, I mean that really, really literally. It's very hard to make me cry.
0: It could be cry with laughter.
1: Do you think I read funny things?
0: I I do. Uh, Have you ever read a blog called uh, Men Writing Women? That'll make you cry.
1: Oh, God, I can only imagine. I keep going back to, it's not called Stand By Me, though, and it's only a short story. The Body? The Body. That, that is
0: an excellent book.
1: That Yeah, it's phenomenal. What's really funny is that I had read it, and didn't know that there was any connection to a movie, because I'm in that weird generation that like, Stand By Me was sort of huge in my youth, but I was just a little bit too young to have watched it when it first came out. Yeah. So well, I started reading a ton of Stephen King and came across a story and just like freaking loved it and was talking about it. And my dad came home with the VHS of Stand By Me. And I sat down and watched it. And, it's, and even more so than the, than you'd expect, because it's never this way. But I guess it's because they took more time and fleshed it out even more so. Um, but the movie is actually, dare I say it, a little bit better than the, than the story.
0: Yeah. And in that same book of short stories, Shawshank Redemption, Rita Hayworth on the Shawshank Redemption, as the short story is called, is in there. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't think we ever... Real, I don't think Stephen King ever gets enough credit for how good he is when he's not writing horror or fantasy or science fiction.
1: Exactly. And actually, one of the first uh, times I challenged myself to read a really large book because um, I used to be a little intimidated by how long it might take me because I was a busy kid. I, I actually took Nightmares and Dreamscapes out of the library. And said to the librarian, how many times can I renew this? Yeah. Then wound up reading the whole thing before it was due back. So it's uh, it's, it's some, it says something about his diversity and his versatility and, and what he's capable of. It's just crazy.
0: What book was that?
1: Nightmares and Dreamscapes. Is that a book, is a good sure. book, yes.
0: Sarah Thompson, uh, what other authors are you friends with and how do they help you become a better writer?
1: Have I got to name them all? No. Okay, so we'll start with you. Okay. Um, So there was a long period of time where I stopped writing some of it was because i was writing for a living being a journalist and to be honest you when you do that sometimes when you spend all day trying to make sure that something fits into three column inches you do not want to come home and try to turn your brain around and say you don't have those t- those constraints anymore and try to be creative because you've been some in some ways being creative all the time yeah. and uh, then you started engine and like, it was this big big thing that was really like pushing me to want to be more creative again and to try to I guess refocus how I thought about spending the time to be creative and then when you did the first collection of short stories *The like dark that wasn't from the rock yeah uh, I got it in my head that I was going to complete something for the first time in a very long time so as to submit to this collection and then after i said i was going to do it you text me every other day and asked me if i was going to do it until <laughs> i felt like i was bullied into doing it
0: yes yes so
1: i did <laughs> yeah uh and that was actually just just after that that i wrote the short story that eventually became the love of summer. Let's see, who else have I got? Well I guess we'll say Amanda Labonte, we'll add her to the list. She's pretty freaking great.
0: She is great.
1: She uh, apparently read my book between here and Clarenville she after did. You guys came here one time.
0: <laughs> she was a horrible <laughs> driving partner.
1: <laughs> she just read the whole way. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. I'd be an even worse driving partner if I was reading while you were driving because I'd be also throwing up on you. But yeah, but she she's great. She's always willing to give feedback and uh, talk about it and those kinds of things. And it's really that that makes a big difference is being able to have people who are also writers to talk to about what that is, how how it is to communicate with someone who knows what you're trying to say without having to over-explain yourself, which is pretty cool.
0: cool.
1: I I suppose we'll put Ellen on that list too, and then I'm going to stop mentioning writers because... I could do this for a long time.
0: You could. All right. <laughs> uh, it
1: also has you know been very supportive and in, uh, in offering feedback and and uh, talking about writing and things and yeah so excellent. We'll go with primarily those three.
0: Okay, all engine board members. Oh look at that. Yeah. Sarah, do you read book reviews? And if so, how do you deal with good or bad ones?
1: I have thus far read all of them. And to be honest, I was anticipating bad ones. So that's how I deal with it. I go in thinking the worst and take the positives from it and use that to push forward.
0: That is how I used to uh, approach dating. That's interesting. (laughs) Just go in expecting the worst and you won't be disappointed.
1: Right. Uh, Well, and, and you have to realize that what you write isn't gonna be for everybody, so the fact that they would have finished reading it and cared enough to write a review says enough to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, like, unless they say, I couldn't finish this, like, like that's your that's your job, is to get them to the end of the book.
1: So as long as there's no disconnect between what you want them to do, which is read it cover to cover, and the fact that they not only took the time to get all the way to the end, but then to... Care enough whether good or bad to say something about it is, uh, hey, positive, negative, whatever. It's all all comments are good comments.
0: Yeah, uh, it was lovely to have you on, Sarah. Thanks so much. Please come on any time. Thank you so much for having me. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks for coming on again. For all of you, we'll be here again next week at 4.30 Newfoundland time or online at chmr.ca. Please tune in and we'll talk more about writing culture in Newfoundland.